Tom Bernard show with Co. You know, typical Molina. Ninety-two <laughs> percent of people are Take morons. Two. Tom Bernard show with co-host Catherine Brandt, Alex Brandt Bernard Rasmussen, <laughs> Mike Molina, Andy Brandt Bernard, <laughs> and Doug Sprinthal. We'll be right back. Kick off hour two. Tom Bernard show. Did you want to do it or just? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, well, Doug's well, going to do it. Well, right? you're all the way here. here. Like a Catherine, champion. Catherine, come on, join our ride. It'll be fun. Yeah, say, if I can get my fun. butt you're, in shape, it'll be fine. <laughs> when is it? June second, Saturday. Oh, I can't do that. Oh, that's know, right. You're going to be a little preoccupied. You have a she good. She might excuse. have a baby by then. What well, if might. she has the baby during the ride? That wouldn't be good. Well, I mean, life happens. Yeah, got to do what you can do. It would be an awfully good excuse. How where'd that Tom go? He's terrible. <laughs> do you know that he left to go see his grandson? What an It'll animal. wait. Yeah. Where'd you so get I, that no, shirt? No, my child, I can promise you, will not wait. I don't yeah. even have one of those shirts. So anyway, what we're talking about is the second annual KQ Walzer Tour to Cure ride benefiting the American Diabetes Association. Please come join our team. It's going to be really fun. Go to the Tour to Cure to sign up. Find the KQ Walzer team. Sign up for the 26-mile ride. You'll get all kinds of cool stuff. If you do it before tomorrow night, you'll get a custom KQ Walzer riding shirt. It's actually really nice. We have a graphics department at work, and I would love those guys. It's a guy and a gal, actually. It's like, hey, could you do something like this? And they go, how's this look? Cool. So now, like, yeah. For you and me, do they have like uh, extra muscular? Uh... Yes, I've got the full-framed models ordered for you and the extra long plus? ones. Right. Do, you, do you have one with the abs already drawn on? <laughs> yeah, the abs are already drawn on. There are some really <laughs> disgusting swimsuit t-shirts. Oh, are there oh, ever? Yeah. Really what disgusting. came up with those ideas? <laughs> oh, they're hideous. People buy them. Yeah. Yep, Walzer.com. <laughs> Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. It's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? uh, Either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Fucking slice line. Plus, it's fancy high-tech pizza taste just like Domino's. There's a reason for that. She got the liner. Oh, yeah. I guess that's Domino's. We never had pizza because my stepmom said Italians aren't real white people. (laughs) (laughs) One of the greatest lines in history from Silicon Valley. Not real white people. (laughs) Italians aren't real white people. It's Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley is where Dr. Ralph lives. Yeah. Silicon Valley. Yep. (laughs) Silicon Valley. (laughs) Italians aren't real white people. (laughs) That is phenomenal. So racist. And again, because of because of Tino, because of Sansevier, because of Molina. Just L.A., Nick, keep going down the Italian. Why do we know torture. so many Italians? You know, <laughs> well, we're Catholic, But none first of them of hold a I candle mean, to how Italian Tino is. No. no. Ita- like, Tino is the most Italian outside of Italy I've ever seen. I mean, there are... And people from Rhode Island, that is an amazing statistic. They're... There's only 10 of us in the world, you right. know, half of them. And I, know, I do. So I know weird. everybody from Rhode Island. It Paul Mercurio. Minnesota is pretty low down the list of Italians. I know. Oh, there's not very many Italians here I think we just get along with Italians, maybe. There One dad attracts them with the, when he goes out in public. And there used to be a lot more Italians up in the Iron Range. And he likes a nice As soon as they shut that down, the Italians moved out of the States. There were Italians. I didn't know that. Yeah, a lot of Italians and Jews. A lot of Jews lived on the Iron Range. People don't realize that either. Oh, it's cold. Oi! 
I get it. Well, Steve Cannon, legendary radio uh, man, Steve Cannon, his family were Jew, Jewish miners. Yeah. Huh, I, Jews from, I think he's from Eveleth, actually. What happened to the Italian horn necklaces? Oh, oh. remember how big the... I mean, I, my mother was, I was just say, all of a sudden just... giving away all of her jewelry. She's uh-huh. like, I just don't wear it anymore. Take what you want. In there was a little Italian horn that I remember my brother buying for her. And it's like, she's not Italian. We're not Italian. But everybody had one. Oh, everybody I, had one. Everybody. I just looked it up. I didn't know that's what that is. The yeah. evil eye. But you never see it anymore. The evil is that what the Italian horn is for? Yeah. Yep. Oh, Absolutely. I didn't know that. I thought you, well, you wear red. Know you wear like a, a red string or something with a dash of red is to ward off I the did evil not eye know. as well. Yeah. Okay. Really? Yeah. The evil eye. The evil eye. I, know, I, I came to see my uh, son in the, the hospital after he was born, and he had a, a piece of uh, red uh, yarn <clears throat> fastened to him. And I'm what is... What is this? Have we marked the child? And uh, his grandmother, who's uh, very Italian, said, uh, no, it's to ward off against evil eye. You don't want people coming in here and giving Uh... your baby the stink eye. And I'm like, what year is this? Yeah. (laughs) Hey, Melina, explain something to me. How did you suck the cold out of a baby's chest by lighting a piece of paper on fire and putting a cup over it on the chest of the baby? Well, it was an experiment. It was just an experiment because we all know what happened to Fredo. Yeah, Fredo. How'd that work out <laughs> yes. for Fredo? That really. I still think it's so cold that Bob. It's Bob Hagen, right? Tom. Tom Hagen. Tom Hagen. There you go. Tom Hagen is arguing, arguing with Michael Corleone. He goes, "I was as much a son to your father as you were Santino." He just forgets about Fredo completely. <laughs> Poor Fredo. Well, he was kind of a misfit in the old family tree, wasn't he? He really was. Welcome. Your consigliere. And what do we do if the old man dies? God forbid. If we lose the old man, we lose our political contacts and half our strength. The other New York families might wind up supporting Solazzo just to avoid a long, destructive war. This is almost 1946. Nobody wants bloodshed in If your father dies, you make the deal, Sonny. You know, that's easy for you to say, Tom. He's not your father. I was as much a son to him as you are Mike. <laughs> he just leaves Fredo out completely. <laughs> you or Mike. Well, Fredo, you know, uh, gee, I, uh, gosh, well, uh, but I remember the, I, I am still very proud of the fact that uh, a half a block away from me, there lived an organ grinder. Nobody ever grew up around an organ grinder. I didn't. No. Right, Full on monkey box. And oh, everything? yeah, monkey, the box, the mustache, wow. the whole shooting match. Mr. Forte. His kid became the chief of uh, the, the fire chief of the city of Minneapolis. No kidding. Rocco Forte, yep. I grew up with Michael Forte. And he had sisters. It was, it was a nice Italian Catholic family in the neighborhood. But he was an organ grinder in all the parades. It was wonderful. Wait, Italian and Catholic? I feel like you don't hear that very much. <laughs> Are there any non-Catholic yes, Italians? Yes, there's, there's Jewish Italians. There are, yeah, like 1%. And that's crazy because it's not just Catholic. It's Roman Catholic. It's Roman Catholic. Well, that's that's right. where the headquarters are. So The 37-foot wall, that's right. Yeah. It's hard I to get around it. That. I love that so much. It's unbelievable. But I love that we're guard- or he's guarded by the Swiss. Yes, and he's guarded by yeah, no, the Swiss. Not, right? isn't it? Yeah, how does that all start? None of it know. makes any sense. Nobody knows. Well, the Everyone's mafia too. just like, sure, we'll be Catholic. We don't know what's going on. But. The mafia guards him, and he doesn't want them to, but he has no choice. <laughs> and he's the Pope. So what is that? No you? choice. If you have no choice and you're the Pope, I think none of us have a choice. Yeah. It's just the way it is. A Vermont man is facing charges that he used a shotgun to silence a smoke detector in the kitchen of his apartment before pointing... <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, do you hear why Wisconsin and Vermont are very similar places. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, they really are. So he uh, apparently pointed uh, another gun at an emergency responder, uh, reports the uh, police. Police say two shots fired Monday afternoon from the 20-gauge shotgun owned by 68-year-old Leroy Mason of Barton hit the adjoining wall of an occupied apartment. Police say Mason has complained about frequent false alarms from his smoke detector. And he was upset fire crews wouldn't relocate it. He called the police department to move his fire alarm. I mean, excuse me, the fire department. The fire department doesn't come to your house and move your fire alarm. Actually, for some for some uh, elder uh, community members that have a hard time and can't get up on chairs and do stuff like that, a lot of times if you do call the fire departments, they've been known to come on out and give a hand. I really? will tell you this. That's nice. Yeah. It's good community o- service. He's yeah. only 68 years nice. old, but he does look like he's 98. Well, see? So you might be right about that. 
This guy looks like he's 100 years old. He's only 68. Glug, glug. So he, he, takes, <laughs> he takes a shot at the at the fire alarm with a shotgun. Two shots at the fire alarm. And then when they come take the gun away from him, he pulls out the, the revolver. And points it in, at the cop, yes. For taking his gun. That's yeah. correct. Yeah. Uh, police say Mason has complained about frequent false alarms from his smoke detector, and he was upset fire crews wouldn't relocate it, so he took it upon himself to relocate the smoke detector and <laughs> shot it with his shotgun. <laughs> Emergency personnel say that they took the shotgun from Mason, who then pointed a handgun at them and demanded a shotgun back. Emergency crews disarmed Mason. There were no in- inquiries. Mason pleaded not guilty Tuesday to charges of felony aggravated assault with a weapon and misdemeanor reckless endangerment was released, though. Andy, do you have a picture of Mr. Mason? Um, maybe. Yeah, see if you can find a picture of uh, Leroy Mason, because I want spin to uh, spin the wheel here and show everybody. How youthful at 68 Leroy Mason appears. He's, uh, as uh, as I've heard women oh, say, wow. yeah. he's a hot mess, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. that guy's only 68, 68 years it. old. Yeah. <laughs> Looks pretty bad. He looks like Sam Drucker from uh, Petty <laughs> He does look like Sam Drucker. <laughs> the hangover. See this, yeah. Catherine? That's 68 right there. That's a hard one. That's look. definitely a hard 68. That's a hard life 68 yeah, right bad. there. Yikes. I hope to look a little better than that when I'm 68. <laughs> Not live a good life. Here's what I love. They have a picture of him and the smoke detector. <laughs> <laughs> Here, let's put a picture of the smoke detector in there, too. Although I would give him a third place finish after Heather Locklear. And Nick Nolte. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but Nick Nolte's looked 85 for the last 30 years. Yeah, he has. He's a big squeal, squeal artist, no, isn't he? No, is he? I'm pretty sure Nick likes the likes the cocktails. That true convict. That's oh, the my God. Nick Nolte imitation ever. Bar convict. Yeah, that's better. I Thanks. tell you what, honest to God, people are going to lose their minds over on CNN. Why? <laughs> it is now formal. Donald Trump, President Trump, has formally been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. Oh, they're going to have a heart attack. They are going to go off the deep end. Heart attacks. When they hear that one. Although I love the fact that President Obama won the Nobel Peace Prize after being president for eight months. And he didn't do anything. That's hilarious. Shouldn't it go to the leader of uh, North Korea? Because he finally I would decided so. to step up and, and, and try to put this aside. Right. Well, there I don't is think something behind this whole... I think it's really a culmination of three things. Trump is very erratic and he's unpredictable. He's erratic, and sometimes yeah, that right. can work in your favor, right. right? Also, years of sanctions has crippled North Korea, but they also blew up their entire nuclear... Uh, yeah, they accidentally blew themselves yeah, up. They, blew, <laughs> they don't really have a nuclear <laughs> program anymore. So they're broke, they got no weapons, yeah. and they got a crazy guy running the most powerful military in the world. You know, Who was it that kept insisting that North Korea could bomb the United States? Because they never could bomb the United States. Well, Kim Jong-un did. Yeah, but everybody believed. There, there was somebody someone in America. Someone credi- uh, credible. Yeah, someone credible kept saying, oh, no, he could absolutely uh, reach the United States with a nuclear warhead. Ne- there was never a chance he could do. Well, that. there was the really idiot in Hawaii who hit the control thing right. or the alarm. Hit the wrong. Yeah. But I don't. I don't think you should give so much credit. I don't think Steven Seagal is really that in touch with it all. <laughs> Vladimir Putin. I love it. I was talking the other day to Vladimir Putin. Well, you all of a sudden get an accent. Yeah. Well, and I love that when he says it, it sounds like they're doing a voice loop in a movie. <laughs> like does. when you go on the airplane and you know he said mf and they go, my folly. Right. That didn't even fit in. Oh, you well. crazy hiker. Yeah. Uh, I will tell you this, though. Trump formerly nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. You think he'll win it? Yeah. I think yeah. He probably yeah, if the will. North Korean so. thing pans I out. I think he probably will. Yeah. God, you just couldn't write this, could you? No, there's no you know, way. Maybe they're going to take a game show host. We'll make him president. Right. Anyway. Right, but then the thing is, you know, this this did happen under his watch. Yes, and he's did. been pushing no, for I it. No, I get it. So, I mean, he the did. thing is, this could, you know, will this start to actually settle people down that they do see things no. are starting to take shape? Things are starting yes. to change, you know? Yes. I don't know. It's not about things. It's about parties, and he's not their party. Yeah, that's true. He's not a, he's yeah, not but, a demo, yeah, There's been other parties that have gotten behind other presidents that have done it has remarkable things. In the past, yes. But are we also getting to the point where both sides of the country say, Ooh, we need to we need to reel this in or things are going to go south for all of us soon. <laughs> the way politics is run is not going to yeah. be the way it's going to be anymore. I well, I tell right. you, it, for whoever is responsible, and I think there's blame to go on. No, that's the wrong word. 
I, I, it's a great thing. If they, if they can denuclearize North Korea, I mean, that's... When Obama met with Trump, he told him that's the biggest problem you're going to face, mm -hmm. is North Korea. Don yep. didn't listen to him, of course, but... And it's been a it's been a big problem for fifty years. It has. That while they actually South and North Korea <laughs> declared an end to the Korean War. That's amazing. Seventy years almost seventy years later. Maybe Hawkeye and BJ finally get to go home, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe they get to go home. <laughs> and they turned out the South Koreans even turned <laughs> off the stereo. You know about That's that? <laughs> when did it actually end? In fifty two or fifty three? I want to say fifty three. Fifty three, yep. I think it was fifty three. So forty seven, fifty seven, sixty five years later. 65 years That's later, amazing. they declare an end to the, the Korean War. There will be, I don't know about the demilitarized zone, what they're going to do with that, but we shall see. I don't know. I have no idea. Republican 53, law, yeah. 53, June, June yeah. 25th uh, through July 27th, 1953. There you have it. Republican lawmakers have nominated President uh, Trump for the Nobel Peace Prize. 18 uh, House members penned a letter Wednesday to the Nobel Prize Committee praising the president's efforts to broker peace in the Korean Peninsula. Reports wait, wait, wait. The Only 18 people in Congress wrote it? Well, that they just wrote the, the Yeah, 18. I thought like two or three people wrote bills, but they, they apparently thought 18 people needed to do this. President Trump has worked tirelessly to apply maximum pressure on North Korea to end its illicit weapons program and bring peace to the region. The letter says the lawmakers credit the president for the recent historic meeting between North Korean leader Kim Jong-un and Korean President Moon Jae-in, in which the leaders agreed to rid the peninsula of nuclear weapons and bring a formal end to the country's 68-year-old war. Honest to God, 68-year-old war. Although the countries entered into an armistice in 1953, they never signed an official peace treaty. Mm. But apparently they have now, so that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. You know, another person that's really happy about this is Michelle Wolf, because nobody had any idea who the hell she was before she did the White House uh, Correspondence Dinner, and now everybody knows who she is. We knew who she was because she's one of the biggest pains in the ass that I've ever had as a guest. So. Oh, really? Oh, God. She is one of the most arrogant human beings I've ever met. Me, 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 more me now, let's talk about me. And that's from three years ago. Yeah, she's not a pleasant human being. I will say that. But Dave Chappelle said Michelle Wolf's speech was uh, cathartic, so apparently he liked it. But he was catching some heat because he was talking about, uh, he was going after Obama. He goes, man, I got to tell you something about Obama. You people might might be all hot on him and everything, but he comes into office and raises taxes. I said, Big N, I just started making this money. <laughs> as soon as he starts making the big money, they raise the taxes on him. I still think Dave Chappelle is one incredibly funny human Very being. Very funny guy. You know, I watched a couple of his uh, concerts that Netflix paid all that money for. Yeah. And I'm like, yes. They were not that good. It was okay. I mean, it's, they it's were still not really good. good. I mean, I don't nah. think he can have a bad night, but it wasn't no. like... Didn't he suffer from awesome. some mental illness? He did. There well, he went crazy and yeah. went to Africa for yeah. a number of years. His so. mother died, I think. Was that what it was? I think his mother died, and that, was, that set him off. Are you leaving, really? At, well, I'll stick around till 2. I thought oh, you good. meant... We're going to be biking oh, in rush hour, what? which starts He's at 3. He's fine. Don't be on the bikeways. That's true. With all the man bun crowd. <laughs> <laughs> i got to practice. On your left! Oh, God. I we'll, hate that. We'll be I back. I hate left! Yeah. We'll be back, Tom Bernard Show. This is Tom for Flo. For the past 35 years, Flo's passion to invent a better way has created some of the finest recreational products available. Flo's Cargo Max trailer line is a perfect example of their innovation. This trailer is redefining the utility trailer industry. They start with a strong aluminum frame and then add a thermoform polymer bed. It gives you a nearly indestructible one-piece trailer body. And since it's molded, it adds style that the trailer industry has never seen. They even beat it with a large sledgehammer at 20 below zero to prove how tough it is. Best of all, you'll never worry about dents, rust, rot, or paint. Visit their website at floeintl.com to find your local dealer and to see videos of this unique trailer, including a video showing hockey star Ryan Suter shooting pucks at it, trying to break it. You'll quickly see how Flo has earned the reputation for quality products and offering you more for your money. Flo, a better way. It's Tom telling you how easy it's been for me to lose weight on the Nutramost weight loss plan. And now you can find out how to have success losing weight at Nutramost to Plymouth just like me. 
at their free informational dinner on Monday, May 21st, 6 p.m. at Jake's in Plymouth. Those unwanted pounds will melt away really fast. I lost over 40 pounds at Nutramost of Plymouth after being educated on clean eating, finding out what foods my body prefers, and I now know the foods that our weight gain triggers. As I've said over and over again, the Nutramost weight loss plan is so easy, and they guarantee that you'll lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. There's no exercise, shots, drugs, prepackaged food. I'm never hungry. Nutramost of Plymouth has helped me change my life, and I know they can help you too. Call now to register for the Nutramost of Plymouth dinner on May 21st. Space is limited. To register, call 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. All my black friends who have money say the same thing when Trump got elected. That's it, bro. I'm out. I'm leaving the country. You coming with us? Nah, I'm good, dog. I'm going to stay here and get this tax break to see how it works out. Because <laughs> that's how it is being Dave Chappelle. It's the first time I got some money, it didn't work out like that. The most unlikely thing that happened ever was a black president came out of nowhere. Like, come on, everybody, let's start thinking about everyone else. Oh, nigga, I just got this money! <laughs> <laughs> that guy, Larry Wilburn... <laughs> Who called him the big N at the White yeah, House? Yeah, he's kind of disappeared. He has disappeared, man. Woo! Apparently, you don't call the president the big N because nobody thinks that's funny. Nobody. I mean, come on. Give the guy a break. Uh, darkness, you missed it, but I actually uh, supported Al Franken's position in the sex offenses thing. Me supporting Al Franken. Because I don't like that little prick. There's no question about that. <laughs> But hey, the Tom, right don't let this stuff sit inside you. Let yeah, it, that's right. It's going to eat your life. So what, what's his position now? What's well, no, he, the, the fact that he got he got booted from the U.S. Senate for doing what he did. I don't know that that was far. He get gone far. I don't know anything else. He never groped anybody or anything, did he? That I know of. Some um, people say he did, but there's. I mean, a I lot think, of people say a lot of things. I think the woman that he took that photo of who was sleeping. Right. I think he actually did grab her. I thought he just held his hands in front of her pretending. He did do that. I think at another time he grabbed her or something. I think he was like creeping on her. Right. I think he he grabbed her, that's different. But if he was only teasing her, then teasing is teasing and grabbing is a whole different deal. I don't know. The whole thing, I don't understand. Me supporting Al Franken. Yeah, I just think think that if grown men would just act like grown men around women and not act like adolescent boys that they wouldn't get in a lot of trouble for just doing stupid things and that would take a that would help because then the people that really were doing things that were bad really bad would get in trouble and everybody else wouldn't be getting in trouble for just acting like an adolescent boy that's my opinion yeah dave and doug Jeez. Okay. I don't know if you. No, you <laughs> know. I don't know if all of you men we're agree kinda, with that, but that's screwed. what I think. Well, I just treat people with respect. You Thank know, you. It, it's hard. You know, you you have friends that you act one way with, but you've you know you know them, and and even there's been friends of mine that I've looked back Didn't at and I go, you know, that Trump. wasn't. You know, now I kind of regret doing that because I can see that you know where I thought I was just being funny and and. Topical yeah. was really kind of disrespectful to the race or the gender, right? Or, or the sexuality, and now I've I've tapered that as I've gotten older and I've started to realize, you know, and I use the the cause of reflection to try to learn from that lesson, sure. right? You know, um, but there's a lot of things you don't, you know. There's a great book out there for relationships called "If Only He Knew." If only he knew is the name of right. the book. Right, and it, it gives you a, a whole bunch of new perspectives that, as a guy, I just never got. You know, I always thought it was funny that. We're put here, right? We're supposed to love one another. Men and women have this kind of... Real, but we're, like, speaking two totally different languages. Right. Okay, and you've been married for less than a year, and you're reading relationship books. Oh! No, no, this is... Uh, <laughs> no, that's an old time ago. I've learned from this uh, lesson. I've learned from this experience. No, but the point is, you, you know, you learn what is, uh, you know, impactful to one person and how it affects them is something that, like, to you and me as a guy, I could walk up and... and take a shot at you or say something and oh, you yeah. just roll your eyes and laugh at me. Right. I say that to my wife thinking she gets me. She, you know, part of what she loves about me is my humor and joking around. But to her, it's a, you know, a slap in the face as opposed and you start to realize, oh, people do perceive what you do in totally different ways. Mm-hmm. And that's right. Nobody prepares you for that growing up. Yeah, nobody really teaches true. you that there's, you know, other people have different ways to be spoken to and, and treated. And you just have to learn it and start teaching your kids that at a, at an early age. It's just not the way to be. Don't be, like that. I blame Catherine. 
That's all her fault. Well, yeah. It usually oh, yeah. is my fault. Look at Andy and me. We're the worst. Exactly. The women just wouldn't have taken the damn bite of the apple out of the Bible to begin with. Yeah. Wouldn't be yeah. in this mess. We were set up. <laughs> we were set up. <laughs> By God himself. We were you mean herself? Up. Herself. I have questions. <laughs> when I die, I have questions. Uh, <laughs> not so fast. Maybe I don't want in. <laughs> Where are you in the night of the 14th? Well, that's the whole dogma of it, right? What if Satan asked forgiveness? Hell with him. Right? Isn't that the whole deal? Where everybody's allowed forgiveness. What if Satan asks forgiveness? How does that work? It's interesting <laughs> that you bring that up because I do remember being a little boy of eight or nine years old and thinking how sad it was that nothing could redeem the devil. I remember thinking that when I was like nine years old. Well, I, th- I think the Pope, the Pope did recently. Didn't he come out a month or two oh, ago and say yeah, that there there's no something. hell? Well, no, they twisted uh, yeah. what he was getting. Oh, okay. Um, but technically, if you go by the letter of the law in the Bible, there is no hell yet. Well, there's no hell yet? <clears throat> no. Hell comes at the end times. Right now, remember, when he cast the, the angels out of heaven, he didn't cast them to hell. He cast them to have dominion over earth. Yeah. So they're here. The demons are here with us. And that's why we have all these problems. Yippee. Hell doesn't ha- happen, according to the Bible, till the judgment day. And when, oh, when so it we all got falls time. apart, right? Got time to make amends. <laughs> what a load off my mind. Yeah, so. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, just get that uh, apology lined up for that last right. minute. Put it on a voice recorder in case you can't speak. Could Give I get a mulligan, please? I'd like another life. I'll promise to be good in this one. <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but I did see the video of this, and I wish I had not seen the video of this. At least five people are dead after a military cargo plane crashed onto a busy highway in Savannah, Georgia. What? This thing, and I'm not kidding you, and there's a camera on, planes are flying along, and this thing is going, Oh my! Wh- I mean, God. face down. What could down. happen that would cause that? I don't know. There's a, a video from oh, Afghanistan about four God. years ago. Uh, military 747 does that. and oh. it, you, you, It's from a dash cam, and the plane's climbing, oh. and then all of a sudden it goes. Yeah, it rolls over, yeah. So what, oh. what had happened was it had, I don't know if it was a tank, but something really heavy inside, and it right. wasn't secured right. Oh. And as they're taking oh, yeah. off, it went yeah. back oh. to the end, and, no, and they didn't have enough power. Let's to, double check on that next yeah, time, really. shall we? Well, this oh. was a cargo plane. Have you ever been on a plane where they're like, well, we got to move some people around in here to distribute the weight yes. correctly, and you're like, we yep. don't have this figured out by now. Yeah, by now. That happened good. to me in yeah. Vegas, you know, because there's there's weight and balance calculations that right. all pilots have to do, and we were on a 737, and it was really hot. And when it's hot at high altitude, it takes longer uh, to take off. And so they said, yeah, we're overweight for the uh, altitude and temperature, so we need five right. volunteers. And, like, five, what if all the skinny people volunteer? Yeah. <laughs> How close, How close are, we are we cutting we? this exactly? Hey, when I was coming back to Minneapolis a couple weeks ago, they did that. I was in the back yeah, of the plane, I've and they said, hey, before. you want to get bumped up to first class? I was like, Is that why, why are you even asking? I'm in the back of the plane next to the bathroom. Of right. course I want to be in first class. Those wow. are the worst seats. Yep. Yeah, they, they tell you they they weight distribute it, and that always makes me uncomfortable. I'm like, shouldn't the plane be able to take off no matter how much you got in here? They should pay exactly. people to take those seats, in my opinion. Yeah, first yeah. class. No, the back oh. by the especially bathroom. the MD80s with the engines right oh, there. God, oh God, it stinks, and everybody's going to the bathroom. Although it's, and, it's great oh, it's when you horrible. get seated, like for a tall person, like you get seated in the plane it's where it's the emergency horrible. exit, and they come up to you and they're like, in the event of an accident, you know, you have to volunteer or whatever the hell. Yeah, like, and it's yeah, bumpy like, back there. Like, oh. I say yes for the extra leg room right now, but if we if something happens, All right, every I'm, man for himself. I'm throat punching yeah. you, and I'm out the door by yeah. myself. Goodbye. I'd love to stay in Uh, The Air Force says the plane was an Air National Guard C-130 cargo plane that belonged to the 156th Air Wing out of Puerto Rico. The victims are National Guard members from Puerto Rico. Mm. They're having a kind of a tough road to hoe right now. Having a tough year. It is not clear what caused the plane to crash shortly after taking off from a Savannah airport around 11:30 in the morning, bound for Arizona. I have been briefed on the uh, USC-130 Hercules cargo plane from the Puerto Rico National Guard that crashed near Savannah Hilton Head International Airport. President Trump tweeted, please join me in thoughts and prayers for the victims, their families, and the great men and women of the National Guard per CBS News. The plane narrowly missed people on the ground. Wow. By the way, Andy, would you do me a favor? Would you call uh, President Trump? Give him a shout. I got to get a hold of him because he still hasn't invited the Minnesota Lynx to the White House. What is he doing? 
They're well, lady athletes. But so all they the don't other, have, they don't count. All the other exactly. women athletes have been invited. Just not, everybody's been invited except for the links. Maybe he has a bad experience with yeah, links. Maybe one of them's tweeting. Stormy bad Daniels plays for the team, so I can't invite them. Uh, hi, how about his excuse now? Because they found out Rudy Giuliani, Giuliani told, ratted, ratted him out. Yeah. What? Giuliani said, no, Donald Trump gave the money to the lawyer to give to Stormy Daniels. So now President Trump said, well, the only reason they did that is so she'd stop her lies. <laughs> <laughs> He's so full of... Yeah, just he and Bill Clinton together. I mean, yeah. can you imagine the conversation those two would have about women? Oh, Lord. Ugh. Oh, no, thanks. God. I can know. you even imagine it? No. It'd be a little... Good. Disconcerting, a little upsetting and disconcerting. It's already upsetting. <laughs> so, disconcerting. I don't know. <laughs> it is true. At least Bill never said how hot his daughter was. Yeah, that, I mean, that was like, dude, what that is going on with you? Wait a second. Wait a second. You said at least Bill. <laughs> Bill's no, spermatozoa is all over a woman's yeah. dress. I think he was pretty bad. Yeah. No, I'm. I, I agree. But yeah, see, Doug's doing that hot while he was in is. office. By the way, did yeah, you see that John uh, uh, John Oliver bit when he was talking about the um, comparative issues? No, I how can't. How I they take people off. See, he did a great bit on this oh, where he talked about man. the but at least he didn't. And they'll take something like you could do the most horrendous thing, yes, right? Yes. Like Doug went outside and kicked a puppy by Why the coffee. You? Hey, every shoot. time, Doug. But at least, every shoot, time. I didn't do it, but at least <laughs> he didn't kill 13 million Jews. Well, you're comparing apples to oranges. But if yeah. you watch the news, anytime there's bad ah. news on either side, it's always the the full response at is least. at least he didn't do this. At yeah, le- that's or, or, true. And they're always pointing it to you know, well, he did that, but at least he's not Tom Bernard yeah. who did this. And then you're like, throw me in yeah, there. I still say macking on your daughter is pretty bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's oh, pretty yeah. bad. It's as bad yeah. as it gets, as a matter of fact. I have one of those, and it would never, it would never occur to no. me to say something like that. No, you don't. No. You don't talk about that. I do talk about the fact that that Alex is a pain in the ass, though. That's you a whole do different. You like year. to talk about that a lot. That's a whole that different thing. That seems to be acceptable. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's okay. <laughs> She's a, she's a pain in the ass and she's smoking hot. I am not kidding you, though. I did notice and I told mom this. So now that Fawny's almost two years old. Oh, the no looks, doctor? She looks exactly like Troy did when he was two years old. Really? I mean, identical. That's not surprising. The, Troy and I, even though I don't see him a whole lot, we have very similar, like the way we talk and our mannerisms yeah, are really true. similar. It's weird. Oh, God. Like when I watch him talk, I'm like, what? This is how I talk. Yeah, you and Troy have a lot in common. Yep. It is true. But yeah, the no queen. How long, do you think she'll be the no queen for the next year? She does it way more around you two, too. <laughs> no. I love it when you say, can I have a kiss goodbye? And she's she's kissing you and saying no. Yeah. <laughs> no. Next <laughs> yeah. messages. They start at an early age. Hey, maybe somebody can help us out with this because every time Fawn comes over... She gets so excited, she face plants on the sidewalk. Every single time. Every time. Face plants somewhere. Somewhere. She gets cut the the hell out of her lip because she was so excited. She, like, opened up her. Oh, it was bad. She opened up her lip tie. She did? That's That's why why she was bleeding bleeding so so badly. Yeah, she took a good face plant there. She just gets so excited. So maybe put her in, like, one of those snow... Outfits. I think you should just keep a helmet on Until her. Until she gets in the house and then take <laughs> it off. Just keep helmet. that helmet on her. We're in the hockey helmet. That's the second time. Third. Third time. Third? Remember two times in Florida you watched her twice and both times she, she hit plant. her face. <laughs> she did. She was just running and fell over. What am I supposed she, to do? That's what she loves she to a run. a toe walker? No. Okay. Good. No, but she likes to run. She likes. She to, loves to run. She loves running. He's a toe walker. Yeah. Oh yeah, still yeah, to this day. The toe walkers, uh, they they they'll do that a lot. They get going too fast. Yeah. And hit. yeah. But you also have to watch it for listeners, man. This is a great bit of information. You can pay me later for this. If you have small children that are toe walkers, get them to stop because it actually shortens the ton- the tendon yeah. Yeah, does, in the heel, yeah. and they'll and, have to have corrective surgery all the way up to your hamstring right? too. The whole back so they'll have to cut and do things. So yeah, if you see your kids and you think, oh, it's so cute. You've got to start getting them on their feet, flat on their feet. It's actually a sign of autism, too, it can be. To be a toe walker. Yeah. I will tell you this, and this is actually good news for Fawny, that kids who do lead lead with their face are usually really good athletes. It's true. We'll see. Yeah, look at Mike Tyson. Yeah, there you Mike Tyson. He was a pretty good boxer. I don't know if we yeah, know. Yeah, but he that. always led with that face. 
Yeah, he yeah. did. Came yeah, in. Well, yeah, any good boxer, right? That kind of, yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, football players, baseball players, they all they all lead with their face. They're very, very good. We'll what, see good what athletes. she wants Hopefully she to won't do. go into boxing. Hopefully not. I would Lady not like the boxer. Yeah, I would not like to see anybody <laughs> related to getting yeah, the vegan the, the vegan boxer. I know Dan, like a while ago, well, I think when I was pregnant with Fawn, was talking about like, oh, she's going to try ski jumping and we're going to do this and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, or, because we've talked about how like, she can just do what she wants. She doesn't need to ski. And he goes, she could be a lesbian farmer. I'm like, a lesbian yep. farmer? <laughs> sure. Okay. Which is the opposite of the cross-country be- skier, apparently. Nothing in between apparently. ski yeah. jumping. Yes, there's nothing in between. That's the he whole just came up with lesbian <laughs> farmer on the spot. The I was like, that, would, right. that yeah. would be great. Whatever she wants I'm going to have to go buy lesbianfarmer.com now to get that dating site started. <laughs> That's exactly Farmersonly.com has now got competition. Lesbianfarmer.com. I'm like, if she was a farmer, that'd be awesome. A farmer? She could give me all the food. That's very true. All the food. <laughs> we shall be back. Special guest coming up next, Tom Bernard Show. This is Tom for Flo. For the past 35 years, Flo's passion to invent a better way has created some of the finest recreational products available. Flo's Cargo Max trailer line is a perfect example of their innovation. This trailer is redefining the utility trailer industry. They start with a strong aluminum frame, and then add a thermoform polymer bed. It gives you a nearly indestructible one-piece trailer body. And since it's molded, it adds style that the trailer industry has never seen. They even beat it with a large sledgehammer at 20 below zero to prove how tough it is. Best of all, you'll never worry about dents, rust, rot, or paint. Visit their website at floeintl.com to find your local dealer and to see videos of this unique trailer, including... A video showing hockey star Ryan Suter shooting pucks at it, trying to break it. You'll quickly see how Flo has earned the reputation for quality products and offering you more for your money. Flo, a better way. It's Tom telling you how easy it's been for me to lose weight on the Nutramost weight loss plan. And now you can find out how to have success losing weight at Nutramost of Plymouth, just like me, at their free informational dinner on Monday, May 21st, 6 p.m. at Jake's in Plymouth. Those unwanted pounds will melt away really fast. I lost over 40 pounds at Nutramosta Plymouth after being educated on clean eating, finding out what foods my body prefers, and I now know the foods that our weight gain triggers. As I've said over and over again, the Nutramost weight loss plan is so easy, and they guarantee that you'll lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. There's no exercise, shots, drugs, prepackaged food. I'm never hungry. Nutramosta Plymouth has helped me change my life, and I know they can help you too. Call now to register for the Nutramost of Plymouth dinner on May 21st. Space is limited. To register, call 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back back at it as a matter of fact elastic flexible thinking in a time of change leonard mlodenau am i close leonard mlodenau yeah that's great is it is it accurate or is it just close (laughs) no that's pretty i would say mlodenau the w at the end sounds like a v but that's just a little trick of my European ancestors. Oh, mlodenau actually if you met steven seagal he'd pronounce it leonard mlodenau I love it when we're just talking about the way there he says go. Vladimir Putin. It's like, settle down. So it's Mladenov. Okay. Leonard Mladenov, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, his latest book, Elastic, Flexible Thinking in a Time of Change, Mladenov's work has consistently drawn praise from leading scientists. As the late Stephen Hawking said, Mladenov never fails to make science. You had Stephen Hawking talking about you personally. I'm jealous as hell. <laughs> He was a friend of mine. We wrote two books together. He uh, oh. he read one. He read one of my books, and he contacted me and asked if I wanted to write with him. And uh, I didn't have to think about that one too long. <laughs> no, he was he was something else, no doubt about it. Mladov never fails to make science both accessible and entertaining. I think that was the whole turning point for people. When when did scientific writing become more? Uh, uh, I guess easy, accessible is a great word, more accessible to people. Before, they were so intimidated 
Uh, you know, of course, you're talking about science fiction. I am not a big science fiction fan, but I do love to read about science, actual, real science. Uh, when did it become more accessible? Do you, do you remember? Well, it's interesting that you, that you asked that question right after reading the quote by Stephen, because he was one of those people who, in the 1980s, really, uh, in a way, invented the modern uh, literature of, of popular science. You know, when he wrote his book, Brief History of Time. Right. Uh, Carl Sagan was uh, writing around that time. Another fellow, Stephen Weinberg, a famous physicist, wrote right. a famous book called The First Three Minutes. And uh, that really started a whole boom. Uh, well, it actually grew kind of gradually, but starting in the 80s and through the 90s, by, by the mid-90s, there were more and more coming out where scientists who previously had thought that writing for the general public was, you know, not the best use of their time. They'd rather do research. They, just, right. they realized that yes. it, it's good to get people to understand what you're doing. And, you know, that's Steve. I, mean, I call Stephen one of the great elastic thinkers because he doesn't, in his career, he never accepted uh, the status quo or the the assumptions that other people make. He, he had his own way of looking at things. And so where people said, eh, you know, who wants to write, what, what, who in the general public wants to read a book about, you know, real hard science? I and, and he said, well, you know, they will now. They will, <laughs> and, and the they did. thing with his research, you know, when he started doing black hole research, people, scientists said it's a dead end, uh, that's a dead end field. No one cares. You can't see black holes. There's none in our vicinity. Who cares? And he said, I care, and soon everyone cares. So, I mean, that is the fundamental of elastic thinking, where you 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 don't accept the framework uh, of the world that other people present to you, or the framework in which a question is asked or an issue is framed, and you you create your own your own point of view. You you question the hidden assumptions that people are making, and you say, does, does it have to be that way? What if it's different? And that's why it's so useful when times are changing, because you you. You're more open to change, and you can be a creator of change. So, I mean, he was really uh, uh, one of the quintessential, you know, elastic thinkers of, uh, of our time. I think it's a wonderful time for it, too, to tell you the truth, Leonard, because politically the minds of Americans are frozen in place, and unless you agree with everything I say, I hate you. It's like, what is <laughs> that? I don't, I, don't that really, I don't understand how that happened. That is a very destructive way for people to interact. And actually, it's funny that you bring that up, because in the book, I, I give a, a number of, of ways that you can broaden your thinking and exercises for you to do. And one of them is, is exactly that, is to pick an issue that you totally dis- that you have a very strong opinion on, look at the other side that you totally disagree with. Try to think of people who believe that, who you respect. Try to look at the arguments that might be valid on the other side. Try to look at the other side as being valid. And I'm not, I'm I, I saying do this seriously. I mean, it's not just no, I don't go through the motions. But right. I'm also not saying that you're going to convince yourself necessarily, but you should convince yourself that they have a point. You have a point, and they have a point. You might find your point more important. But the thing is that even looking at dissent, looking at different ways of thinking, exposing yourself to that possibility will broaden your own thinking and make you more imaginative, make you a better problem solver. I mean, this is just one thing you can do. You need, you need to do a lot of things ongoing in your life, but you can make yourself a more imaginative, creative, elastic thinker if you, if you work on it. And that's got to be wonderful your, for your own being and your brain and every part of you. It's gotta, it has to be a much more healthy way to live, I would think. Well, it's, not, it's healthier, and it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's really demanded by today mm-hmm. yes. because you see human thought can be go on put on a spectrum at one end is rational logical thinking it's what they test on the SAT the college entrance exams it's a lot of employers are looking for that and that's really important when the framework has been set when the assumptions are agreed upon and you're just reasoning from uh, following rules of, of reasoning from A to B to C but elastic thinking is at the other end of the spectrum it's not about following rules it's about how you make up the rules, how you create the framework of thinking, how you analyze when things have changed. And, you know, today, whether it's your personal life or your professional life, things are changing very fast. If you have a company or you work in an industry or a profession, you have challenges from new technologies, from outside companies being funded by, by VCs to attack your, you know, to displace your company, but globalization. Yeah. You know, at home we have new new apps and new uh, devices, new ways of communicating all the time, new attacks on our own and our own computers and our emails. And these are all things that we have to digest and assimilate and react to. 
And so you can't just move along in the same old, same old thinking. You need to be able to have this more flexible way of thinking. I agree with that completely. Leonard, I need a, a, a favor from you in that I have to do a bunch of appearances uh, in the last half of this year. We do shows like we've done shows for 17 years in Las Vegas or we travel to Punta Cana a couple of, for a few years in a row and whatever. So if you don't mind, I'll just borrow this from you. So on the sign it will say, Tom Bernard, radio host and theoretical physicist. Is that okay with you? <laughs> That's fine with me. I'll just borrow that from you. I'll, yeah, I'll I mean, do you think the universe is big or small? <laughs> Answer, the, answer that question. Do you think it's big or small? I see. I think it's big. All right. There you go. You just theorized. You're a theoretical physicist. That's <laughs> Thank you. Do. Thank you very much. That's exactly right. right. And I, I love the fact that once in a while they talk about uh, we saw the edge of the universe and it, and, it, and it looked like the face of God. But I suppose that depends on what you think God looks like. That's right. And, you know, we all have our own our own gods, or right, even if we're right. atheists, we, we have our own beliefs and right. we, uh, what's important. Yeah, I, I mean, if, hey, if you're a scientist or a physicist, you, you have to believe in a certain kind of a god or a certain order, because why, yes. why, should, why should nature obey these laws? I mean, who's making nature obey the law? <laughs> That's a very good <laughs> point. Know. We have no answer to that, so. Yeah, I've always um, wondered, just, like... You know, our job as a scientist is to, is to figure out what the laws are. And, you know, uh, what makes everything obey the laws, that's, that's where faith comes in. Was it, the, Andy, what were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say, like, once we get down to the level of the smallest possible particle, we discover that, we discover it does these things, there's not really going to be any more room for explanation for why they do it. Because, you know, electrons do this thing because the quarks do this thing, but, you know, once we get down to the lowest level, there's nothing left. They just, they just do it because they do it. So at that point, it really just becomes, you know, belief. Right. I mean, you know, we often, uh, when, when I have, you know, have lots of drink and have uh, philosophical discussions, <laughs> you know, we, as soon as this, you talk about the ult, what's the ultimate equation going to look like? Well, it's going to say A equals B. You know, the only issue is what is A and what is B. But right. eventually, you know, it is going to be of the form A equals B. And when you have that ultimate equation, as you're saying, or like the ultimate particle, you can always say, but, but why does A equal B, you know? Mm -hmm. And what can you say? I mean, maybe you'll come up with another equation. It's A equals B because C equals D. <laughs> but that's always going to be your answer, and, and, and you're never going to get to the ultimate, you know, the ultimate why. So all we can do is take it as deep, you know, see as deeply as we, as we can, can with our brains and our instruments and... Um, and then the rest is up to our, you know, your own beliefs and faith and uh, how you feel that things are. Do you, do you get a, a lot of joy out of talking to people about uh, theories, about uh, your accomplishments? All over? I mean, something as simple as a friend of mine has a little boy. How old is Lincoln now? Tracy's son, Lincoln, he's, what is he, like eight, nine years old, ten years old maybe? He might, let's say he's 10 years old. <laughs> I met the guy, because nobody was looking at me or answering me. <laughs> Catherine you're, was just you're the only one that will talk to me, Leonard. I'm, I, feel, I feel deserted. Well, I don't know how old he is. I don't know who you're talking about. No, I know. But, okay. but Catherine does, but she's busy over there playing uh, the Candy Crush or something. I don't know. Far but anyway, it was really kind of thrilling because we sat down, and, and she said, you talk to Mr. Bernard for a couple of seconds. I have to go make a phone call. And in those couple of minutes I was talking to Lincoln, I taught him the Fibonacci sequence. And she told, <laughs> she told me it changed his life forever because now he's studying things like floral, flower petals, things like that. Why? And people probably don't know this, but, but, but flowers have a designated number of petals, and there is a sequence, and it's, a, it's set in stone that certain flowers have this number of petals, and I believe it goes from 1 to 55. I'm, I think that's correct. But apparently he's looked at the, he, he looks at everything through the Fibonacci sequence now, why this added to this, added to this, and the sequence. His whole life is like a sequence now, and she says she just loves the fact that he thinks very rationally now at, at 10 years old. That's, that's what I love about it. I love science for that reason. Well, that's awesome. I think that's, that's great that you, that you talked to him about that. I mean, um, it's, uh, you know, kids love science because kids uh, are, are really the ultimate elastic thinkers. You know, they're yeah. very flexible. They, 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 their brain, 
when you get older, when you when you hit 25, you don't your brain doesn't mature until you hit 25. And one of the last parts of your brain to mature are these things, these structures called cognitive filters that that whose job it is is to keep crazy ideas out of your mind because otherwise <laughs> you could drown in all your ideas. Right, your mind is an right, idea machine. Right. And and some of the ideas are truly crazy, but some of the ideas it keeps out are just original, different, but but great ideas. And and one of the ways to encourage elastic thinking is to learn how to keep those filters relaxed so that they come to you. But for a kid, it just comes natural. Kids are sponges. They, they have ideas. They absorb information. They integrate information. And they love it. And unfortunately, a lot of times, our, our, our schools suppress that. You know, the, the schools, they don't want the kids asking too many questions or challenging what they're saying, arguing, being skeptical. They want them to get information digested and regurgitate it. And so, you know, it's one of you, you, you introduced a whole new concept to this child. And, and the child is just fantastically curious and discovering things and excited yes. by it, right? He is. Let's hope that, you know, yeah. when you go to a 30-year-old and say the same thing, and they're going, oh, okay, and then they go back to the bank and, you know, get their ATMs card out and whatever they're doing. But a kid will just be, you know, will be fascinated by it. I just wish that adults could understand what I see and what you see might be completely different. But... You know, look, you call red, red, and I call red, red, but it might be a different color that you see than I see. It, it, we just happen to call that that specific color that specific name, but it might be a different color. People can't understand that. No, everybody sees the same thing. Look, this is this. This is a, this is a phone that I'm holding up, and this is what it looks like. Well, it might look like that to me, but it might look totally different to you, but people don't want to think about that. Well, that's great. You see, I love that you, you're always looking at these mind-boggling <laughs> questions, uh, you know, deeper questions that pe- people don't, don't think about unless you're, you're intensely curious because right. you're totally correct. I mean, you, you could see red the way I see blue, and, I could, right. and, and you could see blue the way I see red. Yep. There's no way to tell. There's no I mean, way I think to that's tell. amazing, right? Yeah. That's I, amazing to ponder. I love that about life, that just because we both call it blue, it could be two completely different colors, but you were taught to call it blue, and I was taught to call the other one blue, so it works. I think yeah, that's, that's exactly. a great... exactly, and it just shows how everyone can have their own frame of reference. Yep, and I love that about life, that we all can agree that that is blue, even though it might be completely different. So why can't we do that with other things? Like politics and you know national policy. Why I think you guys are stoned. Okay, so <laughs> we, send, we send both of you guys into my closet and say, "Go pick out a blue shirt," and a third person looks at them and they see the same thing. That's what you call blue. No, that'd be what all three people call blue. Yeah, but that but we might see it as a different color. I still think you're stoned. Yeah, so you know, you call, I learned that this is blue. You learned that this is blue, but what, but but my sensation of blue might be your sensation of red, and vice versa, right? I mean, there are people who think that Van Gogh had that. That that's one yes. reason his paintings are so vivid with their colors, was yep. that he actually perceived things differently. Leonard, you got to come back on the show. We got to move some more because we get a lot deeper into this. It's a oh, wonderful be fun. Moment. Thank you very much for your time, sir. It was wonderful to have you on. Again, the elastic, flexible thinking in a time of change. Leonard Mladenov. Thank you, Leonard. Thank you. We'll be back, Tom Bernard Show.